0: this is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr and this week I'm joined by Jim Orr. Last Wednesday, Jim and I attended a very special book launch at Hampden, where former Scotland hero Jim McCalliogh launched his new book, Wembley Wins, Wembley Woes, alongside other Scottish football legends such as Danny McGrain, Craig Brown and Archie Knott. Join us as we take a look back at Jim's story and revisit the Q&A session from the event.
1: Before we get started, here's your weekly dose of trivia. Jim McCallion famously scored Scotland's winner in the 3-2 defeat of England in 1967 at Wembley and 8 of the 11 players who started in that game are members of the Scottish Football Hall of Fame at Hampden Park. Jim McCallion is not in the Hall of Fame Who are the only two other members of that team not to have been inducted? We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast.
0: Jim McAliog was born in Glasgow on the 23rd of September 1946 and made waves as a schoolboy by scoring a winner in an under-15s international match at Ibrox, as Scotland won 4-3 against England. This led to him playing in the Scottish Senior Shield final at Hampden for his school, Holyrood Secondary, and winning the shield against Falkirk High in 1962, Jim's exploits had English scouts vying for his signature, and even though Manchester United were interested in signing him, it was Leeds United who succeeded in getting his name on the dotted line. Moving down to England at the age of fifteen. Jim didn't stay long at Elland Road and was soon a Chelsea player. After Chelsea, he went on to play for Sheffield Wednesday, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Manchester United and Southampton, among others. If you mention his name though, the first thing that many Scotland fans will think of is that day back in 1967, when World Cup holders England were put to the sword by Bobby Brown's swashbuckling team. And of course, it was Jim's goal that sealed a memorable win. Jim was firstly asked about his time at Southampton and how he felt about leaving Old Trafford for the Dell.
2: Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Southampton but it's kind of difficult when you leave Man United and you go to Southampton. So, like, you know, the, the spaciousness of, of Old Trafford and, and then to go down and, uh, and be at Southampton. But, of, of course, the, the big attraction for me at Southampton was obviously Mickey Shannon and, and Peter Osgood, who, who were fabulous players. And to play alongside them, I, I couldn't wait. But as regards the, the surroundings, it was a, a very homely little ground. And uh, But I thoroughly enjoyed it and of course we won the FA Cup when I was there so that made it even sweeter.
0: Jim was then asked about his footballing heroes when he was growing up and dreaming of a life in professional football.
2: I, I think my first real real hero in football wise was Ferenc Puskas. My mum got me a book on, on Puskas when I was a kid and uh, I knew all about Puskas and uh, of course he destroyed England uh, um, at Wembley when, when uh, the Hungarians beat England 6-3 when I don't think England had ever lost a game at Wembley so they, they totally destroyed him. So he was one of my heroes and, and another hero was um, Di Stefano because most people in here would have been glued to the television or, or would have been at Hampden to, to see the European Cup final when they, they, they beat uh, Eintracht Frankfurt 7-3. It really shocked me, the, the score, because Rangers were a really good team then. Um, and and Rangers had actually been beaten 6-1 and 6-3 by Eintracht Frankfurt. So I thought it was going to make for a good game. But as it turned out, the Real Madrid gave them a, a goal start and then just hammered them. Um, so near at home, uh, my, my heroes in football, um, probably Dennis Law. Uh, as a kid, we all loved Dennis Law. He had such a—he uh, looked so big on the football field when you when you're sort of 13 and 14 years of age. But he just had—I think it's a Scottish thing—he just had that charisma about him a confidence about him and with the blonde hair he just looked fantastic and uh, probably Dennis is is my greatest hero yeah sad uh, that um, reading in the paper the the last couple of weeks about him but we're all in his corner Um, but the main thing for me about Dennis Law is he's a wonderful human being
0: One of the audience asked Jim if, given he was an Anglo for almost the entirety of his club career, if he had ever considered playing for any Scottish clubs.
2: (laughs) When I first come back to Scotland in 2007, um, there was quite a lot of people would come to me and say, well, what team did you play in Scotland? And just with a bit of tongue in cheek, I'd keep a straight face and I'd say, I wasn't that bad. (laughs) But you could see the smoke. The smoke was coming out of their ears. So I thought, no, we're not going there anymore. So I gave that in. No, I never played in Scotland. Um, It was just one of them things. I went down to to England when I was 15 and uh, I had a I could have signed for Celtic. Celtic were very interested, but it didn't happen. Um, But of course, I kind of lost out because then Celtic go on and and win the European Cup. And that was fantastic, really, for Scottish football.
0: A question then came asking who the best players Jim played alongside were.
2: I've been very fortunate in my career. I've played with some great players and, and, of course, Danny included um it's very difficult to um break it down i think because i always like to talk about attacking players sorry about that danny um so my my thoughts about football have always been offensive i've always wanted to be uh looking at forwards midfield players um and what have you so of course you think about dennis law as a striker you think about Jim Baxter. Jim Baxter's probably the most confident player I've ever played with. He was, you know, he. I remember when I went to meet up with the Scotland party um, on the Thursday before the game at Wembley on the Saturday, and uh, the first person to get to greet me in the hotel was Jim Baxter, and he put his arm round me and says, ''Come on, son, you you'll be okay.'' And then the next one to greet me was Dennis Law. So it was a kind of a dream. That's the first two guys I meet, as I'm hoping then uh, to achieve my my ambition. I always wanted to play for Scotland. Um, I was dreaming big, but I didn't see the reason why you shouldn't dream big. And of course, when I was 15, I had a lot of football clubs come to my door wanting me to go uh, to their particular clubs. So I was quite a confident lad. I was never complacent, but I was quite confident. But definitely, I'd say Dennis Law and, and, and Jim Baxter.
0: Following on from that, the next question asked about the best managers that Jim had the pleasure of playing under.
2: Probably be between Bill McGarry and uh, Tommy Doherty. I, I think Tommy Doherty was... Um, he knew his football he was such a character um he <laughs> i write quite a bit about him in the book so maybe i shouldn't have spoil it for you um but he, he could honestly look you straight in the face and tell you a deliberate lie <laughs> and he didn't he didn't think that that was wrong he thought it was for the good of the team so you know, it was a kind of strange philosophy, but he was also a funny guy. He, he could laugh at himself. And and the one thing was he, he didn't have an ego as such. He, he, he could take the good with the bad. And, and I think his life was very topsy-turvy uh, turvy anyway. And uh, so, yeah, Tommy Doherty was definitely up there. He gave me a lot of encouragement. He was a great motivator, um, probably I, I enjoyed playing from better when I was a younger player because he, he he pushed the younger players more. But when it came to the experienced players, I think he was a little bit afraid of them, and and he he didn't really like the experienced players. He loved to bring young players along. Bill McGarry um, was an England international. He managed Wolves. He, I think he played for Stoke in his career. Um, he was a great football man. He knew football inside out, but he had a, a horrible personality. He was You would pass him in the corridor and he wouldn't even say hello to you. That just was the way it was. Um, we used to always get on the... We always had to be on the coach to go training, um, before Bill McGarry would get on the coach and Sammy Chung, the coach, would go in and get him and say, right, boss, all the players are on on the bus. But this one particular day, um, like I've just said, he he wasn't any kind of personality at all. This one particular day, we all got on the bus and we were all sat there waiting to go training. And the next thing, Bill McGarry come on the, the coach and we're all looking at him from the back of his head and we're all looking at each other and thinking, what the hell's going on? Anyway, it turned out they had pink hair. He'd actually dyed his hair and it had gone wrong and his hair was (laughs) pink. (laughs) So so we're all on the bus and we're all like this and we, we we didn't want to, you know, let him, because he, he was really quite a disciplinarian, so, but it, it was really funny, and, and I remember another occasion with Bill McGarry, when we were doing a team meeting in a, a, a room in the hotel, and uh, he was talking about the team, and there was a particular player that played for Wolves, a guy called Stevie Kindon. And Bill McGarry pointed to him and he said to uh, Stevie Kendon, he says, and, and you, he says, he says, who do you think you are, Manly Stathius? <laughs> and we were all in the room, it was so, so close and we were all holding my, my mouth so that, you know, he, he wouldn't, but he obviously knew he'd, he'd made a mistake. But then you come to the other side of Bill McGarry. Bill McGarry, um, we used to play four-three-three, and we played to a system that I thought was very good. I thought as a team we were very dangerous and most of the teams in England, I think, respected us. We should have won the UEFA Cup in 72 when we, we got beat to, uh, with Spurs 3-2 on aggregate over the two legs. But yeah, I'd, I'd say they're they the only two best managers that i played under.
0: The next question asked Jim who the hardest player he ever played against was.
2: Well, I, I think really um, the, the game was a lot different back then. Um, and the, the thing was that there was a lot of hard players, but I, I didn't really think that there was a lot of nasty players. I suppose Leeds always get tired with that brush, and it's a shame because they were such a wonderful football uh, team, really. Um, But probably probably the hardest player I played against would be Tommy Smith. He wasn't called the Iron Man for for nothing. But um, I, I wasn't too bad. Joe, to be honest, because I didn't get a lot of injuries in my career. I played a lot of games consecutively. Um, so I could look after myself. You know, you when you play X amount of games uh, in the first team, if you, if you can't look after yourself, then there's something wrong.
0: Given his reputation as a Scotland player, Jim was asked what he thought about the current Scotland men's team.
2: Different, well, different eras, really. Um, There's different conditions for a start. Um, It's very difficult to judge it. Um, The the main thing for me is uh, I'm a football fan. And uh, as long as football's surviving and and keeping moving forward, which it seems to be doing, and and especially with the the national side, uh, I think, uh, as Craig would say, you know, our most successful Scotland manager, um, Craig, would, uh, I think, be very pleased with the job that Stevie Clark's doing. Uh, I think we've now got some heroes. I think when you have a Scotland team, it's important that you have heroes like Danny McGrain, Kenny Duglish, um David Beckham, all these kind of guys, Ryan Giggs. Um, and now I think we're getting a few heroes We've got people like John McGinn, we've got uh, Andy Robertson, uh, Kieran Tierney. I think all these boys hopefully will encourage the young kids now to 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 come through. But I think Scottish football really looks a lot healthier now than it's been for a while. And I think Steve Clark's been a marvellous appointment.
0: Finally. A member of the audience asked Jim how much he remembered of the post-Wembley celebrations after the famous 3 2 win against the old enemy.
2: Well, uh, yeah. Uh, It was okay for me, to be honest, because I didn't drink. So I can remember everything. (laughs) Maybe it would have been better if I got drunk and maybe not remember what was going on. But the, the the thing that um, really made me laugh, I, I read Bobby Brown's book, uh, who was the manager. I don't know if anybody in here has read Bobby Brown's book. And um, when the game had finished, we went to the Savoy Hotel and we met up with the England team, which I thought was good. And we had a drink with the, the England team and uh, had a bit of, of fun but seemingly when Bobby Brown was in the Savoy Hotel, he stepped out to have a bit of fresh air, probably the whole day. It was quite a big day for him, it was his first game. And as he was stood outside the Savoy Hotel, having a a breather, this Scottish guy come walking along and he come up to Bobby Brown and he started poking Bobby Brown. And he says, we beat you today. Scotland's the greatest, we did. And Bobby Brown, our manager, is outside the hotel and there's this Scottish guy poking him, telling them how good Scotland were. And uh, I, when I read that, I, it just kind of curled me up a little bit. Um, but myself, um, like I said, I didn't drink, so I enjoyed everything that went on. Um we had a good to say we'd only met on the Thursday there was good camaraderie and in, in the camp. And I think the important thing uh for the game um was that I thought Bobby Brown got the team right. And on the day um I, I thought everybody in the team uh, played well and that made a big difference. So yeah.
0: Wembley Wins, Wembley Woes by Jim McCallion is available to pre-order from legendsof-football.com for £19.99. And in the words of friend of the podcast Craig Brown, if it's as good as the way he talks, it'll be great.
1: At the start of the podcast we ask you which members of the 1967 starting line at Wembley, in addition to Jim McCallion had not been inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame. The two players in question are Ronnie McKinnon and Eddie McEady. Ronnie McKinnon made his debut for Scotland against Italy in 1965, a game in which John Gregg scored at the dying minutes of the game to give Scotland a 1-0 win, and went on to appear 28 times for Scotland. Ronnie's only Scotland goal came in a 3-2 win against Wales in 1967. Ironically, Jim Baxter, The hero of Wembley 1967 won his last Scotland Cup in that game. Eddie McHeady made his Scotland debut against England at Wembley in 1965 in a 2-2 draw and went on to play 23 times for Scotland.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week where we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. If you'd like an extra football fix in your inbox every Tuesday, you can subscribe to Football Memories Scotland's weekly newsletter, The Football Special, and receive an email full of excellent pictures and stories from days gone by. To find out more, email Lindsay at lindsay.hamilton at The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memory Scotland, in association with Alpsheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McBeathey. Additional material from The Scotsman, the Scottish Football Association, the Scottish Schools Football Association and Bendit Lake Baxter by Jim Orr. Special thanks to Jim and Debbie McAliog, and also to Danny McGrain, big bone and actually not